Hello. I thought in um, this podcast, I talk a little bit about another place that um, really inspired me. And it isn't a place where I spent much time. And that's Botswana. And basically, the reason I was in Botswana was that I'd been in South Africa uh, on a volunteering project. This was in early 2020. And I had another project lined up in Vic Falls in Zimbabwe, which I've spoken about on um, a few podcasts now. And had a week or so between projects and thought, well, what I'd ideally like to do is do an overland trip rather than fly. And I was looking at trying to get an overland trip that was kind of pre-organized because it that way it's pretty easy. I could just sit back and enjoy it. And um, the plan was to go from somewhere in South Africa up to Botswana, through Botswana and up to Vic Falls, but that didn't quite work. So I did finish up uh, back in Namibia, <laughs> which was handy actually, because I had some Namibian money that I couldn't change anywhere outside Namibia. So that's a travel tip. Um, but I finished up in Windhoek, which is the capital of Namibia, and from there joined um, an overland trip. So this was just a, a regular tourist trip, and uh, that ran across um, northern Botswana, basically, up to Victoria Falls, where it finished. And it had actually started somewhere in South Africa. So um, Namibia and Windhoek was the, the halfway point, and at that point, some people left, other people like myself joined, and then we we carried on. So um, I'll be honest, it's not the sort of trip I normally do anymore. It was simply a fill-in. And um, because I had organised about four months travel, uh, most of which was volunteering, it just seemed, uh, uh, it was literally a filler, just a way of um, exploring another country or getting some sight of another country and doing a bit of photography while I was uh, just travelling up to where I needed to be in Zimbabwe. So that, I guess, is the background to it. So it wasn't, if I'm honest, um, a trip that I did an awful lot of research. I was primarily using it as a way, as I've said, from getting to from A to B. But having gone on that trip, um, I really enjoyed it. Botswana is one of those places I would like to um, go back to and certainly learn more about. Um, so if you're not aware, Botswana is sort of in the middle of southern Africa. So to the south and east, you have South Africa. To the west, there's Namibia. And in fact, Namibia has a little arm that kind of runs across uh, the, the northeast of Namibia. And that runs along the top of Botswana. And then to the sort of northeast, you have Zimbabwe. And then um, at that junction with Botswana and Zimbabwe up in the north you, and um, also Namibia you've also got Zambia so there's a, a little junction where the four countries uh, meet and that's on the Zambezi River pretty much so um, very close to or pretty much at Victoria Falls. So that was um, what I did and I'm going to talk about a few places that I visited so um this isn't an exhaustive guide of Botswana by any means, but just to give you some ideas of uh, places that are worth visiting. And the primary um, areas for me were the um, first of all, the Okavango Delta and then the Chobe River. And in fact, along the way, and um, this was, if I remember correctly, um, 
just after the Okavango Delta. We stayed at a place called Elephant Sands. And I mention it because it popped up when I was just doing a quick bit of Googling before doing this recording, because I like to just try and jog my memory a little bit of um, the kind of things I saw. Uh, so this place, Elephant Sands, it's um, like it's kind of a glamping. I think of it as glamping. So you have these little canvas, um, they're not really tents, they're more like cabins, and they're set around the waterhole. And then you've got a, a stone-built um bar and restaurant and reception and all that so it's one of these little kind of glamping hotel things and the reason it stands out is that you have to be a little bit careful <laughs> when you go back to your cabin because you regularly have elephants walking through uh, that whole area and um, if I had them walk past the cabin I was you don't really want to get stuck between cabins uh, when there's a, a bull elephant wandering around because if, if you've listened to um, the podcast I gave on elephants, they can get a bit startled. In fact, when I was talking about Namibia as well, this this I know happens in Namibia, where wild elephants wander about and occasionally meet people. Uh, but if they're startled and they've got quite bad eyesight, they are likely to attack. So you do need to exercise uh, a, a reasonable degree of caution when you're moving around in these places so just because there's a bar and cabins you can't assume in places like this that you are totally safe because you're not to a large degree you are as long as you take care and keep an eye out um but you can't take anything for granted this isn't disneyland or anything like that that this these are real wild animals so that was a place called elephant sands so i mentioned it only because i wasn't going to mention it because i i kind of half forgotten it and um, I do remember we did a, a quick spin out from that place in the morning just to go over into um, uh, one of the national parks. So I think might have been the Chobe National Park. And um, we went down to Waterhole but couldn't find very much, which I guess brings me on to the next thing I wanted to talk about. And that's the best time to go. So I was there at the end of January, beginning of February which is not the best time to go because it's still quite wet. And what that means is that the uh, the animals that obviously need to get water, they've got plenty of choices for where they can get water. There's lots of naturally occurring water holes around that are seasonal, but obviously in the wet season they have water in them. So the animals will just spread out and go wherever it's convenient. And in fact, thinking back to that trip, I did get a photograph of um, a giraffe which if you've attended any of my webinars where I talk about composition for wildlife, I tend to use this photo as an example, actually, of what not to do. But that photograph was taken from the main road. And a little bit after sunset, so I was shooting into the sun, so it looks kind of darker than it was um, in terms of the sky, because obviously I'm, you know, the camera stopped down a little bit to account for the light. But we saw on that trip more at least as many large animals and especially elephants we saw no elephants in the park that I can recall but we had them coming out of the bush next to the main road because they were just grazing um, by the main road so we saw quite a few elephants um, just on the regular highway and so the tip really is if you're going to go to Botswana don't go during the wet season because the wildlife is everywhere whereas if you go in the dry season and really that's from June through to the end of October. What tends to happen is the animals 
will go to predominantly the Chobe River, but they'll go to specific waterholes that tend to be all year round. So the other waterholes that um, would be there in the wet season, they dry up and then you tend to get the animals going to the waterholes or or the river. And that means you're much more likely to see them if they've got fewer places to go. Whereas, um, as I've said, in in the wet season, when there's water everywhere, they, they really just split up and they're all over the place. So your chances of seeing an animal, if, if you're after a particular animal, especially your chances of seeing it are much reduced. So it can be a, a lot a more frustrating time to go. It's an interesting time to go, um, for sure. But you need to be aware that there are downsides to going at that time of year. OK, so that is the Kalahari. That's the time to go. So Having said that, the Chobe River, I think, is just one of the most amazing places I've ever been to. And um, in fact, that's kind of more in the northeast. That was where I finished up last. And um, where I was volunteering in Victoria Falls, because the Chobe River and the Chobe National Park um, runs right up to the um, border with Zimbabwe, you can, uh, from where I was at uh, the town of Victoria Falls, I could do a day trip. I I didn't do it, but it was easy to take a day trip just to pop into Namibia and um, do a a day on the Chobe River. So um, if you are interested in going to Victoria Falls, have a think about what is within a day's um, sort of day trip radius of um, of Vic Falls. And the Chobe River is one of those places that you can go to. And the Chobe is just brilliant. And it's where I had two of my most memorable encounters, um, one with a hippo, one with a crocodile. And I've got photos of both of those. So one of them, uh, the hippo was a photograph I called Angry Hippo. But we'd I'd gone out really early with uh, nobody else on the little trip I joined was interested. But I went out with um, on, on this just kind of photographer's special kind of trip with a, um, a guide and um, a driver on the boat. And it was this um, uh, just a boat suitable for shallow, relatively shallow water. And um, maybe less than two meters wide I would say from memory and it had seats bolted to the center of the boat so down that center area of the boat there were these um, seats and they were designed for photographers so they swiveled 360 degrees Uh, they had an arm on them where you could just use your um, uh, tripod mount to mount your camera on the arm and then you could pretty much do whatever you needed to do. You just sat there in the middle of this boat. So that was a, a, a great boat to be on, actually. So from a photographer's perspective, it was good. And because it was just me, I was able to just borrow some gear as well. So I ended up with um, a, a Sigma, I think it was a Sigma 150 to 600 mil on my Canon, which um, is longer than I normally use. use. So that was um, uh, quite a nice thing to just play with on that trip. But with the Hippo, uh, we were... Um, heading back, we'd been out for um, a couple of hours. In fact, we had come to a location where there were a lot of hippos about. It was a very still part of the of the um, the river, and um, th- because the river's really spread out, uh, and we were just kind of sat there in the boat watching these hippos that occasionally stick their heads up out of the water. And we hadn't realised we were gradually getting surrounded by them. And um, I've said this quite a few times before, but hippos are the most dangerous of the large animals that you're going to come across in um, 
in Africa, they kill more people than anything else in terms of large animals. So, yeah, you know, be aware of lions and crocodiles and things like that. But the hippos are the most dangerous because they're, they're actually quite fast, much faster than they look. They have very strong jaws. They can open them very wide. They've got those big tusks in them. And they're quite grumpy and they're quite unpredictable. So our driver, funnily enough, when he realised what was going on, just got us out of there. He was out really fast to make sure we didn't get completely surrounded by hippos. And what then happened a bit later, we we pulled up for um, a bit of breakfast. In fact, we pulled up at a beach and we pulled up at a little area where we were hoping to see elephants because it's one of those places where elephants are known to go to get water. And what got me thinking about doing this recording was I saw a photograph somebody had taken uh, in the last day or two, and it was a group of elephants, quite a large group of elephants, just using that that watering hole. And in fact, um, I was looking at um, just really Chobe National Park in general, and apparently in northern Botswana, the, the Chobe National Park, where it is, um, has the world's largest largest concentration of elephants. So it is a great place to see elephants. But, but as I said, we were tending to see them on the road. So anyway, we pulled up at this uh, little beach area um, at the edge of the river. No elephants inside, although we could see lots of tracks where they had been. But there were quite a few crocodiles, most of them around two metres long, just sitting on the beach. And um, we just sat there having our breakfast uh, stepped onto the beach to just kind of have a bathroom break and they just ignored us. So um, crocodiles are dangerous, but if you look at a hippo and a crocodile, the one you've really got to be aware of is the hippo, not so much the crocodile. And if you just look at what the local people are worried about, that's a really good clue. So we're in the river, we're, we've had breakfast, we're heading back where I need to go because I needed to meet up with this bus to... Um, go on to Zimbabwe because we, uh, we were going into Zimbabwe at the, around midday at the, the border. And um, there was a little channel we were heading down and this hippo was sitting in it and would would not pass. It, was, it would not let us pass. It was sat in the middle of this channel. And these things aren't wide enough for us to comfortably go around the animal. So we kind of sat there for a bit watching it. And um, then it just decided enough was enough and it started charging at us. So at that point... Uh, the guy's full throttle in reverse to get us out of there. Um, I was taking photographs because, honestly, it wasn't that I was being really cool or anything. It was simply that there wasn't much else for me to do. And secondly, I'm a photographer, and it was a great photo opportunity. So that that's what I did. And um, happily, the hippo gave up after a very short charge at us and um, kind of went back to where it had been. And, and the guide was a bit... I guess frustrated, a bit concerned about what to do next because this was really our only way back and this hippo was not wanting us to pass. And then the hippo just turned around and basically got out of the water. And what what that area is like, it's kind of grassland, but with the river running through it. And if it does flood, it becomes much more swampy, that whole area. And the Okavango Delta is is much more of that, but you get bits of the... Chobe River like that. And anyway, the hippo just got out of the water and um, marked its territory, which they do by shaking their backside about while they're letting rip with letting nature take its course there. I'll let you imagine um, that as a 
a, a scene to uh, to take in. And then it wandered off and got some breakfast. So the guide said that he'd never actually seen one do that before. Normally they stand the ground. So we were very lucky and I had the, the photo off and I was able to go and get my bus and get back to the border in, when I needed to and all of that stuff. So that was one encounter that was very memorable because this, um, both with nearly getting surrounded by hippos initially and then having this hippo come at us. And the second one what had happened, um, I think between those two encounters, we were in the boat heading quite close. We were close up to one of the banks and there were a lot of crocodiles there. They're kind of two and three metre long crocodiles. And a few of them were just jumping into the, or sliding off the bank into the water. And I'm sure you've seen movies of this. If you've watched any wildlife movies of um, crocodiles, I'm sure you will have seen this. So they're sliding into the water to get out of our way. And the guy driving pulled us right up against the bank. And we were right next to, I think it was between two and a half to three metres in reality. Um, To my mind, it looked near six metres, but it was a, a big crocodile. And it was literally no more than two metres from me because I'm in this chair in the middle of this boat, which only is about uh, at most a metre between me and the edge of the boat anyway, probably a bit less. The boat is up against the bank. The crocodile is right on the edge of the bank and above us. And there's absolutely nothing between me and the crocodile. And um, I I got a really cool photograph of this crocodile's eye, which I have shared. And it's, um, I think, on my website, if you want to look at it on the limited portfolio page which I think is about me anyway it's in there somewhere so from that perspective it was just an amazing experience to get that close to one of these animals on the other hand it was hissing a little bit and this really didn't make me feel that great about the whole situation to be perfectly honest but having been a pom in Australia and and lived that way for a while uh, I learned not to show any fear (laughs) because if um, an Australian sees an English person showing fear, they'll go for it. So the uh, the old um, Pommy and Oz thing kicked off. And uh, I just thought, well, stay cool. I will um, look through the viewfinder at this animal, take some pictures. And often I find looking, if, if I'm in a situation I find a bit scary, which usually for me is heights because I don't like heights very much. But if I just look through the viewfinder, I find to a greater or lesser extent that will reduce the fear on this particular occasion, it was to a lesser extent because I could still hear this thing hissing. Anyway, then the guy decided that enough was enough and off we went. So I was I was quite happy to go. But having said all of that, it was really worth getting up really early and doing this trip and um, uh, having those two encounters. And this guide was also telling me a story of um, a young elephant that had died and there was a group of elephants there and the mother had spent, I think it was a day or so with it, just gently rocking it, trying to revive it. And of course, the crocodiles are all hanging around waiting for mum to go. And after a day or two, the the group of elephants moved off and she had to leave uh, the baby there. But it was just a really um, interesting story from this perspective of the emotional bond that a mother elephant has with a, a calf, with a, with a baby. And um, that was an interesting story, but that had happened in that area. So that's the... Um, Chobe um, National Park and if so with national parks normally the national parks because you can't stay in them um, whereas um, a reserve you can or people will live there but national parks normally you don't 
Uh, so I think it's a place called Kasani, and I didn't really take that much notice, if I'm perfectly honest now. Um, but that was where we were based. So that was outside the park, and that was just in a regular uh, hotel in a small town. Um, so, um, again, as as with most of South Africa, you get these little towns, and that's where we would often stay. Uh, the Okavango Delta, which we'd hit uh, a couple of days earlier, that's actually a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Uh, basically, it's a plain in northwestern um, Botswana, so it's swampland, and because Botswana is surrounded um, on all sides, so Botswana doesn't have a coast, so this is an inland swamp. It doesn't have any way of draining out to the sea. And you do get these seasonally flooded grasslands, and one of the things I would recommend if you get the chance is to take a flight over uh, the delta, and we did that, and you, you get to look down on elephants and all sorts of other things, whatever's wandering about. But you, you obviously can cover quite a large area in a in a, a small aircraft. So these are we were in a, a small four seater, um, and what happens um, in the dry season that you get annual floods. So because it's basically um, a, a savanna, basically it's swamp and savanna, the grasslands flood, so you get these. Um, small islands and one of the opportunities I had and what we did we uh so again I'm there not in the dry season so it's not as as flooded as it would be in the dry season you get these narrow channels all the way through the delta that you can navigate with these um, little boats they're, they're quite narrow they're quite long and the way they're set up they're they're punts so someone's standing on the back on a platform on the back punting a bit like a bit like venice i suppose but a bit narrower and uh the, the locals uh, can be a lot more aggressive if you're not careful and uh, we had two people sat in the front of the boat the, then the area behind them was used just to store baggage and tents and things like that and then as i say on the back you'd have somebody punting and what we would do is go along to just one of the little islands that you've got and they're all all around there but obviously the local people and the local tour groups know where to take you and you um, get to camp overnight. So uh, again, you're in the wild, so you have to uh, take precautions. Just be careful when you do step out of the tent. Um, Keep an eye out. So I would always have a head torch. I always turn my head from side to side in the dark and I'm basically looking for reflections from retinas. So, you know, something, if I get a reflection from a retina, then I'm definitely heading back to my tent um in fact the only time i had that was in um um namibia when i was camping at at our main base camp for the elephant work and i'd walked around uh, it was a little bit of a walk to where our bathrooms were and as i was walking back i caught a reflection it turned out to be a tag on um a, a, a tent line but it definitely had me um had had all my attention for a moment until i realized what it was but yeah you you would first of all you make very sure you know where the lavatory is so you'd normally dig a a hole for the loo and um, depending on who you're camping with it might be a sort of squat and go situation or you might get something that you can actually sit on it just depends on uh, the setup that you're working with Uh, but do um, obviously make sure you know where that is generally they're marked quite clearly so you can find them at night but you do need to just be aware of um, of where you are and what's around you but it's a great opportunity to go out for early morning walks or evening walks and on the delta we were seeing a lot of giraffes and um, 
zebras. There were um, what do we got? Uh, monkeys around that that sort of thing. Warthogs. There was a warthog uh, paying attention to us when we went for a morning walk. Uh, it's good to have a stick or something um, with you, and uh, just uh, just for security more than anything else. It always made me feel a little bit better. I never saw any lions, but they're definitely around there, and um, obviously there you'll find predators where their prey animals are. So that's um, generally a, a good guide. But again, it was just a really amazing place to be, go for a walk in the morning and see these beautiful animals. And we'd have a kind of cook up breakfast and then dismantle the camp, get all the tents down, load the boat up and go back. So it was just an overnighter. And again, when we got there, we would obviously set the camp up. Um, you'd have walks, you'd have some some dinner. We saw a lot of hippos actually, uh, when we went for a, a sort of sunset walk, so a lot of hippos in the water. Uh, but again, a very beautiful place to go. So if you get the chance to go to uh, Botswana, I would definitely uh, recommend it. As I say, my experience of it is quite limited, but for what I saw in, in, in a matter of a few days, and as I say, for me, it was my, more a way of getting from one place to another and just filling in a week before I went to um, to spend a month at Victoria Falls. It really was a, a great place to be and a very enjoyable trip. Uh, what I also saw, I was with, because um, I'm a bit older, I couldn't get on the younger trips, which I think are more fun. <laughs> People tend to be a lot more fun, uh, whereas you, um, what can I say? I'm not going to say anything, actually, because, <laughs> um, yeah, some of the people you meet on these trips are a little bit boring. Um, but the, the we were kind of following a route with a, a, one of these more kind of four-wheel drive things, uh, with younger people and I ended up a few times chatting with them at the hotels and campsites uh, rather than with the lot I was with but it, they, they were just a lot more fun but that's that's me so um, you know whatever floats your boat to um, use a phrase so that's pretty much it on um, what I wanted to talk about and share with uh, about Botswana so um, I didn't do much of the history of the country uh the places where we stayed were on the whole pretty good, uh, you, know, you know, kind of reasonable standard. Uh, but th- there's an amazing opportunity to see some fantastic wildlife. So I, w- I would definitely have the Chobe River as one of those places to try and visit if you if you want to see wildlife. Um, d- I-, I would recommend um, going during the dry season just from the perspective of having a much higher chance of seeing the, the iconic animals because they're all going to be down at the the river or a lot of them will be down at the river that time of year particularly as you get into the dry season whereas um i went really the wrong time of year it was there was a we'd had a lot of rain everything was very green and the wildlife was just really scattered so you're then what you see in that situation is as much down to luck as anything else and that was definitely the case with us so i've got a feeling i'm trying to remember i think the only elephants i saw were beside the highway, and then we did have, um, I think I think we had two or three coming while I was at Elephant Sand. So that was literally an overnight. We got there uh, late afternoon, um, so you know grabbed one of these sort of glamping cabin tent things, and um, had some dinner there, and then I was off again first thing in the morning to just get down to this waterhole, which had nothing other than a few birds around. So it was very disappointing. Um, but as I say, did see on that occasion a giraffe um, at the side of the road. 
So, um, yeah, that's really the tip. But I do recommend it. The Okavango Delta is an amazing place to go as well. And uh, if you can, if you go there, I, I would recommend, uh, definitely recommend taking a flight to get um, some sense of how big it is because it's it's, it's quite a unique environment being, um, um, a, 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 I guess, sort of inland swamp like that, but with no no exit to the sea. Uh, quite a unique um, type of place to visit and definitely a lot of wildlife there. So that's it from me. I will um, speak to you again on the, no- on the next podcast. So bye for now. Just before I go, I want to let you know that there's a couple of ways you can support me if you feel so inclined. Uh, with the podcast, Buzzsprout, which is the, um, the platform I use for all of my podcasts, they have a subscription model. So if you feel that you would like to subscribe, a few dollars, a few euros, whatever, um, to the podcast, that would be much appreciated. The other option is my Patreon membership. So if you'd like to become a patron, and that starts at the price of a cup of coffee every month, you'll get access to exclusive material, behind-the-scenes material, photography tips, all this kind of stuff, depending on which tier you're at. So there is some information available through my website and um, also on the, uh, uh, the written text to go with this podcast. So if you choose either one, thank you so much in advance. And whether or not you do, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy the podcasts and let other people know about them. Thank you very much. Bye for now. 